Well, we've got Scarlet Fevers, the Scarlet and Gray, travel to New Jersey to take on the Scarlet Knights here on the Block O Show, presented by Barrio Tacos. It's Tyler Danberg on Matt Goldman, missing Austin Krim and Joey Fear this week as we'll have the call between the number one Ohio State Buckeyes, 8-0 on the season, and the 6-2 Scarlet Knights, full eligible once again, Ty. This is going to be a good game, and Buckeyes on top right now. Sneaky game, and you're absolutely right. The newly minted top team in the country, the Buckeyes, after being ranked number one in the college football playoff poll number one on Tuesday night. I mean, we were talking about it while that was unfolding, and I, th- I think we were a little bit of surprised, a little bit ecstatic, and also maybe a little cautious, too, because, of course, you know, getting that top spot in poll number one, that comes with a lot of weight to it. But it, it's rightfully so, Matt, because, you know, the Buckeyes have the two top ten wins. Michigan and Georgia, they haven't necessarily played that strength of a schedule. And then Florida State, not really sure, you know, what have they done to get that top spot despite that week one pummeling of then number five LSU. So rightfully so. Resume speaking for themselves for the Buckeyes, as you said, two top ten wins at the time in the AP poll. But Ohio State also had a strong win this weekend against Wisconsin, 24-10. to Before we get into it, I have another question about the playoff. When you look at the resumes and who's been most dominant in the eye test, what is your most important factor in terms of who are the best four teams in the country? I I think it's a combination of a little bit of everything. I look at it as a little bit of the eye test, not too much, because I don't feel like it's worth buying into the eye test. But then you factor in strength of schedule, you factor in record, and if the situation presents itself like it could after the final week of the regular season, head-to-head. Because if you have two teams from a conference in that top four or the top five, then it comes down to how do these teams fare against each other in the regular season? I think that can have major implications. Well, major implications in the Big Ten East could be coming. Rutgers fourth in the Big Ten East, right beyond Penn State, and then Michigan, Ohio State tied for first, and those are two top four teams, so it's going to get real interesting in this month of November. Michigan's got a tough schedule coming up. They still have Penn State on their schedule. A Maryland team who hasn't been playing great as of late. They lost to Illinois, but they were 26 in the nation technically when they played Ohio State. So this Maryland team's very good. Ohio State still does have Michigan as well. And Rutgers, I would say, is their second hardest game left on their schedule starting this weekend. And they're 5-0 and at home as well in Piscataway. This is a Greg Schiano-led Scarlet Knights theme team that has resurged. Really, 6-2. and They're going bowling for the first time since 2021. They're off to their best eight-game start since, I believe, 2012. This is a team that continues to be on the up-and-up. The only key, though, is that they're going to be without star linebacker and the Big Ten's leading tackler, Tyreem Powell, out for the rest of the season, which is going to be a major blow. So that would probably send to the forefront Deion Jennings, if he weren't already, and then also Mo Toure. So you just talked about the big loss for the Scarlet Knights, and let's get right into Rutgers. They're a top 13 defense in the country right now, allowing just under 280 total yards per game for opponents. Their defense has been flying this year and that's really what's been their backbone to this team and their success how big of a loss you've kind of talked about a little bit but like talk about the impact this will have against an Ohio State team I think it has a huge impact in favor of Ohio State because Tyreen Powell takes away so much 
in the passing game especially, and the passing defense specifically is what Rutgers does really well. It's a top three pass defense in all of college football, and Tyreen Powell is one of those guys that really is the keys to that passing defense. And this is a Buckeyes team that is really strong in passing the ball. They are the number one passing offense in the Big Ten, so this gives Ohio State a little bit of an advantage, and Greg Schiano this week was asked about Powell's absence and what he's going to do, and he said, well, it was a three-man rotation as the linebackers in his nickel defense with Toure and with Jennings, and then you factor in Powell, that's the three-man rotation. Well, because of Powell being out, it's going to strictly be those two. So for Rutgers, they have not had much success against Ohio State. 0-9 in all-time history, Ohio State's average about 52 points per game against Rutgers. It's always kind of been a blowout against Rutgers. It doesn't feel like it could be the same this week with the way Rutgers' defense is playing. But at the same time, Ohio State's defense is also really good. We'll get into that in a moment. Rutgers' defense, what is going to be the key for them to stop Ohio State after what we saw what Travion Henderson did last weekend and what Marvin Harrison Jr. has continued to do all year long? The key for me is going to be to stop the run. You said it right there. Seventh in rushing defense in the Big Ten. Number two pass defense in the Big Ten. So can they stop the run? Can they wrap up, make tackles when it matters most, and prevent these Ohio State running backs and ball carriers from getting into the second level? Now let's talk about the Scarlet Knights offense. Gavit Wismat, he's the quarterback for the Scarlet Knights. 14 touchdowns he's accounted for this year. Seven passing, seven rushing. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation when it comes to running the ball in the end zone. A dual-thread quarterback that Ohio State hasn't seen in a couple weeks. We thought Drew Aller could be that capability. Wasn't. I think this is going to be very interesting for Ohio State. And Wismat this year, 362 rushing yards. That's really good for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, that's the most yards rushing by a quarterback in the Big Ten by a lot. And I think the difference between him and Aller is that Aller extends the pocket, and if he takes off, it's going to be most likely out of the pocket. Wimsett's a little bit more of a designed runner, and he's also a good improviser. And he's coming off 143 yards two weeks ago against Indiana. He helped Rutgers rush for 276 yards, which is a school record for Rutgers in the Big Ten era. So he's a guy that really poses a couple different threats for the Ohio State defense. Now the Buckeyes, they are good at shutting down the pass. And Gavin Wim and Gavin Wimsett, he has not necessarily thrown the ball as much. He's down low in the Big Ten standings and passing yards, but his legs are really where he can make things unique. Speaking of legs, Winsmad has some great running backs in Kyle Manungai in the backfield. 744 rushing yards this season. That's second in the Big Ten amongst Big Ten running backs. So when you have a running back and a quarterback that both can run the ball really well, and then a running back by committee as well with some other guys on in the backfield, Samuel Brown, Jashad Benjamin, like you have a couple guys, they're going to cause trouble for Ohio State. But at the same time, there's options. Like, we saw last weekend with Wisconsin. Felt like Braden Locke didn't have options besides Braylon Allen. And then when he goes down, there's nothing really Braden Locke could do for Wisconsin. I think that that was the turning point in that game was when Braylon Allen got hurt. He ran for 50 yards in the first half, but then he came limping into the locker room at halftime. 
that's kind of where the game got shifted for Wisconsin because Allen really is that identity for Phil Longo's Badgers offense. Now, I think Rutgers poses for the Ohio State defense probably the most preparation that they're going to need to do in terms of personnel because Greg Schiano for Rutgers and his offense, Kirk Scirocco in his first year as the O.C., they love their gadget guys, meaning that they can put a guy in that hasn't played the entire game. He can come in as a wider receiver, catch a pass, then maybe throw a pass or run the ball. There are a lot of different trickery plays that Rutgers likes to run. So Jim Knowles and the Ohio State defense, they certainly need to keep their head on a swivel because of the many different threats that the Scarlet Knights can pose. And it's kind of like an, a next man up or any given play type of mentality. That could be big against Ohio State as we've seen their defense been dominant all year. Weapons for Wismet has been not Huge this year, 1,100 passing yards. He's been spreading the wealth around a lot. Tristan Dremel's their leading receiver with just 294 yards in the air this year. And we saw that kind of correlate with Penn State where we saw Keandre Lambert-Smith. Not a ton of receiving yards. It's pretty well balanced. A lot of guys had over 100 yards. But no one stuck out like a Marvin Harrison Jr. where you have over 600 yards. Or even a Mecca Abuka over 400 yards. So Rutgers doesn't have that guy who do you expect to step up in that wide receiver room or tight end room to really be the difference maker? I think it'll be Jaquay Jackson, the D2 transfer from the California University of Pennsylvania. He's fourth in the Big Ten in yards per catch. He's their number two receiver by just four yards, and he's been trending up as of late, and as he continues to get a feel for the D1 game, this is going to be a big challenge, probably the biggest challenge of his career going up against this Buckeyes secondary. They also have Johnny Langan on the as a tight end as well for Rutgers. Selected to the Mackey Award watch list this upcoming season. He's been pretty solid this year. Not a ton of yards, but he had almost 300 yards last year in the air. Now let's look to the defense of Rutgers. We kind of talked about already, but statistically they're one of the top in America. And to help, they have some great players, including Devin Igbenosum, a Union, New Jersey native, older brother of Davison Igbenosum, an Ohio State cornerback. Both cornerbacks, both Igbenosums, could see some interesting stuff. It's a pretty cool storyline as well. Yeah, this is really cool. Brothers going at it, same position. They're in their home state. They're both from Union, New Jersey. Desmond Igbenosum's probably having one of the best seasons of his three-year career. Davison Igbenosum has had some strong flashes of what he can really bring to this Ohio State secondary coming from Ole Miss. So this is going to be really fun to see how this matchup plays out. And, of course, it's going to be about the team's performance, but I think for those two, it's going to be a little bit deeper just beyond that. Wesley Bailey, also a big run stopper for Rutgers, owns seven and a half career sacks for the Scarlet Knights. Is anyone in the front seven for Rutgers stick out to you and could be a big difference maker in this game? I think Bailey's one of those guys. Also, Aaron Lewis, another guy with three sacks. They're leading the front line in terms of sacking the quarterback. So those two are the ones that really stick out. Now let's flip to Ohio State. They won 24-10 this past weekend in Wisconsin. Let's start with the offense. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Anderson, they carried the load for Ohio State. McCord did struggle as the quarterback for the Buckeyes. Two interceptions, a really bad interception in the red zone. Could have thrown the ball away, tried to fit in a tight window. It was a bad decision. He knew that. That's a week one, week two mistake. And that really didn't help Ohio State. The momentum felt like Wisconsin could have pulled away at any point with the way Ohio State's miscues were going. But the Buckeyes were able to stay in it thanks to some of the weapons they have in their defense. 
the importance of Travion Henderson back and how healthy he is and looks on the field is why Ohio State could be the best team in America, ultimately because their running game is back. It really is. And this running game has kind of taken a lot of different punches throughout the season. And Mayan Williams being out for the rest of the season with an undisclosed procedure, that's going to be a big blow, especially in terms of when you need that guy to provide those power runs inside the opposing 10-yard line. But it's great to see Travion Henderson back. You'd have to assume that just with him being out a month plus, it seems like Ohio State was just saving him to be fully healthy so he could quickly put on games like he did on Saturday. 200-plus total yards for the first time since he ran wild over Tulsa as a true freshman. That's got to be so great to see Travion Henderson flashing that potential and big game capabilities that he has. How critical is it to have a running back that's able to get the ball on the outside, take a pass, and go down the field the yards after the catch because, as you said, over 200 yards total in receiving and rushing. Kind of reminds me of like Christian McCaffrey with the way he plays in the NFL. Yeah, you got a little bit of a McCaffrey-esque type of play, like that two-pronged running back. Because, I mean, man, if you think about it, like when you have a running back that can be such a security valve in the pass-catching game like Henderson showed he could be on Saturday... That's got to give you a lot more confidence for Kyle McCourt, the quarterback, because if nobody's open deep or coming across you know, the middle of the field, it's got to be nice having Henderson right on that left side or right side flat. And you know what's even nicer? Having Marvin Harrison Jr. make a touchdown catch with one foot in the back of the end zone in the corner. You don't see that often. And Harrison Jr. is having himself a season, arguably one of the top players in America, and could be a Heisman contender. I personally think so. I think you do as well. I know they say, you know, you have your Heisman moment, but I think there are a couple games where Marvin Harrison Jr. has certainly had some of his. Of course, it's a lot harder for a wide receiver because you might have some more bust games than booms. I mean, Marvin Harrison, he did not have a catch against Indiana, and he also was held pretty low against Notre Dame. But besides those two games, he's gone 100-plus yards in every single one of those. And, I mean, basically reciting Marvin Harrison Jr. stats now is like reading a novel. But in terms of career milestones, this could be a big game for him. He's five yards from eighth all-time in program history, 42 from seventh all-time in program history, and he's one touchdown away from career number 26, which would put him into the top five. And... One more 100-plus receiving game. He's going to be tied with David Boston all-time with 14 of those in his career. David Boston goes down as one of the best receivers all-time in this program. There's so many good receivers. Can't even believe that we're saying this right now, and it hasn't even hit to the postseason yet. You would have thought this could happen maybe towards the Michigan game or a potential Big Ten championship, but it's happening right now early November. Which is just mind-boggling to think. And as an aside, I mean, I don't know if David Boston, we'd have to talk to him, but I don't know if David Boston was thinking that, you know, two of his heralded records, including the all-time touchdown catches and then now the all-time 100-yard games, would be in jeopardy of being broken in the last three years. Of course, Chris Olave tying that record back in 2021 and then Marvin Harrison possibly breaking into number 14 as well. Pretty incredible to think about. And you talked about confidence earlier of McCord. It seems that it seems that this it seems as if 
McCord's confidence all of a sudden goes away at moments, but Marvin Harrison Jr. regains it for him. His offensive line's been very consistent. The tackles in Simmons and Fryer. Their pass protection's not great. Causes McCord have to throw ball, the ball away, have some miscues and panic. The offensive line really needs to step up, and so does McCord, because when it comes to crunch time and you have to play Michigan with the way they've been playing this year, that's unacceptable, and also, that's not going to win you a game. No, it absolutely won't. And give credit to Josh Simmons, the left tackle. He's improved his game, and it seems like he's gotten adjusted to Big Ten ball. Donovan Jackson starting to play like the All-American that he has been over the last year. But you're right, the pass protection is going to need to step things up. And Kyle McCord was a little hot and cold last Saturday. There's no doubt about it. That decision-making was a little bit tough in the early goings like that red zone interception. But then he makes those throws that really wow you. Like that one he had to Marvin Harrison Jr. Just an absolutely incredible, a generational type of catch that from our vantage point on the opposite sideline and about, I don't know, 250 feet up, didn't look like he got that foot down. No. Didn't look like he was going to be in a position to, yet he did. But then you look back at that throw more and more, and the more and more you watch, you realize how beautiful of a ball that was from Kyle McCord. He's been making some really good throws this year, dropping in certain places for his weapons. So Ohio State hopes to get Emeka Buka fully healthy. He was available last week. Will he play? And now let's flip to the defense. Denzel Burke, who was available, did play on the outside, the cornerback for the Buckeyes. He was back. The, the Buckeyes' defense was unstoppable last week, only allowing 10 points. And they've been doing that the last couple weeks. Jim Knowles' defense has been dialing it up perfectly and executing to a T. They have been. It seems like they just know the downsides to a team's offense, and they're just picking it apart. And you could tell immediately Denzel Burke, when he's out there, just makes a major difference. He's a strong cover corner. And then his best ability is kind of making those bigger plays. He'll get those occasional interceptions. Had that pick six two years ago as a freshman against Rutgers in Piscataway. But he's also leading the Big Ten pass breakups. And he's got 26 for his career. He's just one away, I believe, from moving into top five in program history. So in just three years as well. And the pass breakups and the passes defended, that's what you sign up for to be a corner in a league like the Big Ten, especially this current state of the league, and he's been living up to the billing, especially this year. BIA, best in America, is what they've been saying the last couple of years. Haven't seen it lately, but it seems as if they could be back. JTT in the defensive line, Tyleek Williams, have been the true guys in the trenches this year that have really stepped up and been the plug-and-play makers in the front seven. Yeah, and, and you know what's so interesting, too, and give credit to legendary defensive line coach Larry Johnson, Jim Knowles, who's just done incredible things, perhaps a major candidate for the Broyles Trophy given to the top assistant in college football, but they rotate those defensive linemen as well. I mean, you're going to see Tui Mullowal, you're going to see Jack Sawyer, who's really emerged again, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Mike Hall, You'll see Kenyatta Jackson and Hero Canoe, who played some meaningful fourth down and fourth quarter snaps against Wisconsin. So not only are they dialing it up in the front seven, but they're mixing and matching so many different guys. And the Rush men really has a lot more of an E than an A 
for this Ohio State team. The big men have been feasting. Speaking of feasting, Tyler, you have a thing from our no, – oh, can't read the – okay. Speaking of feasting, like the big men they have this year for Ohio State, Tyler, you have a message from Barrio Tacos. All-time segue. Because where else would you rather feast than Barrio Tacos, located right in the heart of the Ohio State campus at 15th and High. Barrio serves tacos late night each night and has an incredible happy hour with half-off margs and dollar-off tacos from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Come stop by the restaurant. Buck ID and DoorDash is included. So now we're in the back portion of our show. Keys to the game for both sides between Ohio State and Rutgers, Ty. So the key for Ohio State is to stop Rutgers early. You think of a lot of the different teams and high-powered offenses in the Big Ten, Rutgers, out of all of them, is the number one team in the conference in scoring points on the first drive. So can the Buckeyes shut them down? That's going to be the question. I think for Rutgers, obviously you want to score early and, and make your presence known but I think the key is to continue to wreak havoc in defending the pass because that is one of the things they do well as a defense. Can they sustain that success without Tyreen Powell for another full game? That's going to be the main question mark. You're looking at guys like Desmond Igbenosun, Robert Longerbeam, who's had a strong season, his best in Piscataway. Can they shut down Kyle McCord, who's going to really look to try and let it fly this weekend? And that brings me to my points for each team in the keys. Kyle McCord, let it fly. There it is. You kind of said it right there. And I was thinking, you got to let Kyle let it rip a little bit this weekend. And I think that's what Ryan Day needs to do, dial it up. However, this isn't a game to just do whatever you want. This is still a Rutgers team that's very good, 6-2, and two, bowl eligible. But if Ryan Day can just allow Kyle McCord to do his thing. It could be a big confidence booster going to November with the Michigan game coming up. And then for Rutgers, I would say it's run the ball as much as you can. See what you can do with this rushing attack that's been doing you wonders this year with Manungai, Wismit. I think those two could really help out the Scarlet Knights team and put some points on the board. Now, Matt, I want to ask you because it seems like Rutgers in the past – has been that game for the Buckeyes where there are a couple guys that break out. Denzel Burke had that major game two years ago. Last year, Mayan Williams runs for a school record tying five touchdowns. Who might a breakout Buckeye be on, on either side of the ball, or is there? I think there could be somebody, and you know, I think it could be a Julian Fleming type of game where we haven't seen a ton of Fleming this year, and I think he's been reliable in certain moments. He was a highly touted recruit. He has great size, great speed, great length. And he's really good at catching the ball, good route running. I think this could be a game where you see Julian Fleming work. Maybe you don't play a Mecca Buka, keep him out for another week, get him healthy for the postseason in Michigan. And this could be a game where you see Julian Fleming come out. We kind of saw that with Cornell Tate last week. Maybe at this time it's Fleming's turn to get some more spotlight. Do we see more young receivers like Tate, like Brandon Ennis? I would like to think so, especially after that Purdue game with Brandon Ennis. Like, he had that major touchdown. He has one catch in his Ohio State career, and it's for a pretty long touchdown. Maybe this could be a game where we see Ennis, depending on the score, because if it's a close game, I don't see why Ryan Day would like to toy around a little bit and play some of his younger guys. But if it's about a 21-28 to 28 point game, why not put Ennis in? 
allow him some more reps. I also think this is also going to be helpful for the tight end room. Joe Royer, Jelani Thurman, G. Scott Jr. I think you get those guys in the game more, especially Jelani Thurman. We talked about in the car right up to Wisconsin. He's going to be an absolute monster when he gets fully developed here at Ohio State. If he's able to play to his full potential eventually and get some reps right now in a meaningful game in the Big Ten, could go a long way for him. So let's get into our score predictions now, wrap up that segment. Ty, what do you got? I'm going to go 35-17, Ohio State. I think I might have even predicted that, the same for Wisconsin. That did not work out the fruition. I think it's close through the first quarter, maybe a tied game at 10-10, but then I think Ohio State just eventually pulls away. Now, last year, second half was really interesting. I believe Rutgers outgained the Buckeyes by, I want to say, about 150, 160 yards. So I think it's going to be a key for OSU to flip the script and play a much stronger second half of the game. I'm pretty similar. 42-13 Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes are going to put it on Rutgers this weekend. Yes, they have a very good defense, but I think Ohio State's offense is just that dominant. And their defense, too, only allowing 13 points. I think that's right there. That's their sweet spot this year between 10 to 20 points. That's where their defense is allowing points this year, and that's all that they need to do in order to win game. So that's all here on the Blocko Show. SHI Stadium. Noon kickoff on Scarlet Gray Sports Radio. That's Tyler Danberg on Mac Ullman. Will the first-ranked Buckeyes take on the Scarlet Knights on Saturday afternoon?